everybody. Welcome back to Artists Loving Artists, and I'm back with technically episode 25 with kind of a new format, and I'm really, really stoked about this. And I'd like to well, well uh, welcome Adi. Hello. Hey, Adi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, so we are acquaintances slash friends through the music scene, but um, we all kind of kind of grew up together in a sense, and you are part of a band. Um, I mean, are you guys still together technically? Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we had, we're never not going to be a band. Right. You know? it's one of those, it's just one of those situations where, um, you know, I live in Chicago, uh, Blake lives, uh, Blake, our bass player, lives in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles lives in Tennessee. And then the rest of the guys are still back in El Paso. Yes. So, you know, um, we're not ever going to like really break up, but it's just harder to get together. Um, but, you know, we recorded uh, EPs that we had been putting out over the last couple of years, all sort of all over the country. I, I would record my stuff at studios here in Chicago, mm-hmm. back to the guys in El Paso and stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. And so you are part of the band, the Lusitania, who was... Um really prominent, like in a, a time where I think the scene in El Paso was really kind of booming. And I knew you guys because you played with my brothers a lot. And then I got into the scene and then it was just like, you, you always knew who you guys were. So you guys moved apart and all that good stuff. And now you decided to re-release your album, right? Yeah. So the kind of like the whole reason for this, you know, the, essentially our debut record had come out 10 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, this month, more or less. And um, we had a bunch of tracks that were kind of B-sides or songs that we'd never really put out before mm-hmm. um, uh, that, you know, we had on previous, you know, either they were just floating around on the internet back in the MySpace days or on CDs that we had burned and those were handed out and sold, but then never kind of, they never kind of uh, ever showed up again. Yeah, And I, I've kind of sort of unofficially become this weird musical hoarder of all the bands. <laughs> so like I have all of Soma's, your brother's like old recordings. Oh, nice. All of the old Yarbrough recordings. I have all of the old royalty recordings. I have all the 600 Paw recordings. It's all these. Oh, bands. Wow. I've collected all of this stuff and I have it in different hard drives. And obviously in my own band, I've rec- I have records of recordings of everything we've ever done. Mm-hmm. So I just thought, you know, considering it had been 10 years and um, it felt like a natural time to sort of like re-release the album and then just include a bunch of the demos that uh, ended up being songs on the record. And then those other tracks that never really got a release. I just thought it would be, you know, a cool thing to do. And yeah, uh, yeah. If, for, if for nobody else's sake for my own, just to kind of have it out there. And so if, the people that do want to listen to it can. And I think it's just a fun way to sort of honor that time in our life and that particular album, you know. Yeah, I love that so much. And I don't think there's a a better time than now. (laughs) People are kind of looking for more creativity in themselves. And I find myself reminiscing a lot about people like you guys and just playing a lot. And when you can't play, it's kind of like, well, what can I do in the meantime? So I think this is a good, good time for that. That's awesome. I think that's also... Well, very, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I do play in, in a couple bands here in Chicago, but obviously I haven't seen any of my bandmates mm-hmm. aside from like, a, you know, socially, uh, you know, in like a backyard here and there. But I mean, we haven't played music or done anything. So uh, when I saw that this anniversary was kind of coming up, I think you're right. It sort of was like, well, you know what, you got this time, you can sort of do this thing and put this together if you want to. 
and uh, it just sort of gave me a kind of a fun new project to work on and kind of dig through some of these old files that I haven't really listened to in probably over 10 years. That's awesome. And so tell the people what you do, Adi. So I played, uh, I played keyboard in the, uh, I play keyboard in, in the band. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, uh, that, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I did any vocals on these records. It was before I started singing, mm-hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, you so, do have your own bands now too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I have my own solo thing. It's a, I have a band called heat stroke, which I sing and play guitar and piano and love that for, yeah. And the heat stroke is like a direct homage to being from El Paso and Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, the, being from the desert and then actually, the reason I came up with it was because I would go home and not be being in Chicago for the last 10 years. If I come home in the summertime and I'm out in the sun too long, I just, you know, I literally, <laughs> I, I got heat trick last two times. I went to the <laughs> so I thought it'd be kind of funny, a little tip of the cap. I love that. And then I play in a, in another band called the second winds and we're kind of an alt country Chicago. Uh, the second, I don't know if I've heard your guys, I've heard your heat stroke stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, did you guys play often? Or did you, are you focusing more on your own thing before pandemic, of course? Uh, for what, for Heatstroke or for Second Winds? Uh, did you play as much with Second Winds as you did with your, your own project? Yeah, so I kind of split it up pretty evenly. Um, cool. uh, the, the Second Winds would play a lot of shows and Heatstroke spent a lot of last year just kind of recording the, the EP, which we put out. And then we started playing a lot of gigs and then boom, the pandemic. Oh my gosh, Our that's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Our last show was like <laughs> February and then, you know, next thing you know. Damn, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah, you know, everybody's Okay, going. yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the album a little bit. So um, there's quite a few songs on there. I listened to pretty much all of them yeah. and it made me feel, like I said, really nostalgic for the shows. And you guys, we were basically open for you guys mm-hmm. a, few t- a few times. And um, But people always love these certain songs that you guys played. Do you all write... Did you write together or was it like Mike would write and then you guys would put stuff to it? How would right. that work? Yeah, Mike, Mike Duncan, uh, our mm-hmm. singer, he, he, it's, the way that he would typically do it is he would write uh, the, the song and, you know, Mike is a songwriter. He's not like a, you know, virtuoso guitar player or anything. He would do, you know, one, three, five kind of, you know, chords and mm-hmm. bring the, in the skeleton of the song and the, and the vocals, the, the vocal parts and the lyrics, obviously. And mm-hmm. then we, and we would kind of workshop it, uh, in, in, in our, in our practice space. And a lot of times the songs would change radically from what they were originally started out as. Sometimes they would be, um, you know, some sort of mid-tempo song that would end up turning into this crazy rocker, uh, you know, loud or just vice versa, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Blake, his brother, um, who was our bass player, uh, he he went to college for music composition. And oh. his brain is just able to work in a very unusual sort of not, you know. Genius way. Yeah, so he, yeah, but he was able to actually like deconstruct a lot of this stuff and come up with interesting arrangements. And then Will Doherty, our guitar player, is just like my favorite guitar player ever. And he just always loved him. Interesting guitar leads that would really influence a lot of the way that the songs would sound. Um, so I think, you know, it's basically so to kind of answer your question, yes, Mike would bring in the songs and then we would just sit around and just play with them, play with them, play with them, change them up a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, just whatever happens kind of happened but um a lot of it was just kind of born out of um messing with the format of, yeah. of how the song was written 
Yeah. And that's uh, one thing that I talk to my dad about a lot is like, if you don't have the chemistry in a band, it Mm -hmm. usually doesn't work. And I think you guys had that pretty, pretty well mapped out. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting to hear that his brother was like of a very structured approach because I can tell that Mike was more like an intuitive kind of songwriter. Mm -hmm. Like I'm kind of the same, like I don't know a lot of chords and sure but he knows how to write a song, obviously. So right. I, I just love that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, it, I was going to say, you know, it, it, it is, I think it's really beneficial when you have some kind of relationship like that, where you might have somebody that's a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, like you said, an, an intuitive, an intuitive songwriter, and then somebody that's a little bit more scientist, right? Mm-hmm. Cause Blake would, um, when we would be on tour, and we were kind of preparing to record this record. I mean, he was writing string arrangements and horn arrangements and <laughs> all kinds of stuff for the album. And that ended up being on there. I mean, we have, we have, you know, members of the UTEP symphony doing strings on the uh, opening song on. Oh my God. Blues. When the kind of breakdown starts, there's a bunch of cellos and stuff. And uh, we have, we have, we had a horn section that played with us on, on the record release and they were on the album too. And um, yeah, so it's, it's really fun when you have kind of that you have a couple different things just to pull from yeah totally um so what would you do you have a favorite song from the album there's there's a good amount on there it's hard to yeah there's a lot i mean you know the the b-sides are 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 its own thing um because those are some of those were written when uh before i was even in the band or before when when it was just mike and blake um Mm -hmm. you know and then some of them were written with all of us but it's kind of hard to pick a favorite, but I don't know. I mean, like looking through it, I really liked, uh, I, I like, mm, I like Sunday nights cause it's kind of a punk rock song. Yeah. That one was cool. Tributaries. I've always really loved that. Mm-hmm. The wolves is kind of like our big, you know, banger. that was a, yeah, that was a banger that everyone would sing along to. Yeah. That's what <laughs> kind of close the night on. So, you know, I like the, but you know, they're all, they're all my babies. I like yeah. Them. Yeah. So there are a couple of songs that I want to listen to and just kind of talk to you about. Um, but do you want to talk about like the recording of the album a little bit? Did, did yeah, you guys, sure. you guys did it with Jim Ward, right? Yeah. So the way it kind of worked was Jim, you know, Jim, I'm, I'm talking with him tomorrow about it more in detail. Oh, it's, yeah. It's kind I'm of hard. Check that out. Yeah. It's kind of hard to, you know, remember everything. But I, I do remember. So Jim essentially kind of, he saw us open up for some friends of his, this band called the Cave Singers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't know who we were. He just, it was like, oh, this is a cool local band I wasn't aware of. And we kind of became friends with him. And he was opening up his own studio in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and starting sort of his own, it wasn't necessarily a label, I guess it was kind of like an art creative, it was called Tembleroso, and he had, mm-hmm. but I think he would have artists selling prints and t-shirts through there, he would have his own music through there, and then he he put out our record through his uh, Tembleroso imprint, and it was recorded at his studio once it kind of got set up, and Gabe Gonzalez, who played in Sleeper Car and Sparta, mm-hmm. he actually engineered and kind of did the whole, you know, he, he would do all of the, the engineering and the mixing and that legwork aspect of it. And Jim kind of was, kind of oversaw everything, was a bit of a producer. Um, and then sort of just uh, on top of that, like really was a mentor to yeah. us. It was our first time really making an album and kind of taught, kind of guiding us a little bit through how that- How it works. How it kind of works, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Did you guys tour with him? We did, yeah. You we did, toured, right? Yeah, we did a tour with him. 
we played a bunch of shows then, but the big tour we did with him was from um, here, from, I'm sorry, here, El Paso up to <laughs> Canada. We were playing a music festival up there. Yeah. And we served as his backing band in addition to opening up for him. Oh, nice. Charles and Blake uh, played in his band and, um, and, uh, and then we were the opening act. And um, we basically toured from El Paso up to Calgary to play a music festival and hit a bunch of places along the way. And then, and then crazy. Yeah, How long really was that? You know, it wasn't that long. Um, I want to say maybe like two weeks or something, maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we, we basically didn't have too many shows coming back. So we was, it was a lot of driving, but yeah. Uh, we, you know, we played shows with him in Marfa and mm-hmm. obviously played a bunch of shows with him in El Paso. He, he, he opened up for us on our record release show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we yeah like a long history of really playing playing with them yeah you guys are all connected that's awesome i love that um okay so there is there's a song i want to start with so the format usually is like we'll pick a song and listen to it and then talk about it so if you don't mind we can do a couple of those um let's see the what i'm gonna open the dropbox i'm gonna press pause we'll listen and then we'll talk about the song okay okay we'll brb well, it looks pretty good dressed up in them cars, but the sound is a palm, is a hat on the floor. The best one's right where others fear to go. Watch you sing around, sound your nose. Watch you sing around, sound your nose. Watch you sing around.
into uh, Bottleneck Blues from the Lusitania. So tell me about this song, Adi. I really love this one. Um, we always kind of knew that this one was going to kind of kick off the 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 record because it's just kind of it's got that great kind of you know punch as soon as the whole band kind of kicks in the uh the there's i think the b-side is is on there um mm -hmm. is on the second whatever part of the uh, of the album and you can hear that the the tempo actually was a lot faster in the one that, that actually got onto the record um yeah i don't know i just thought that it was always like a really fun one that's always a super fun one to play live um back when people did that yeah i know right <laughs> um, and it was just a really, yeah, it was a fun song to, to do in the studio. Um, you know, a good one to kind of, kind of, it gives you an idea sort of, of sort of how the record is going to sort of progress. It's, I think it's an, a good starting point. And, and one of the big, I don't know, one of the things that I'm always kind of obsessed with when it comes to albums is sequencing. I don't, mm -hmm. know, if, I don't know if you feel that way, but uh, when, when, whenever I'm working on either something for when it was Lusitania stuff or my own thing or, or Second Winds, whatever project I'm involved in, I'm, ups, I'm always constantly changing the rotation of, of how the songs sound. That's and awesome. actually that was, that was the hardest thing when I was putting together all of these, all of these B-sides and stuff was like, how am I going to, you know, <laughs> how should this go? Because it really like affects, I think the listener, yeah. if you're, if you're stacking too many slow songs or whatever, or, or they don't match stylistically because uh, there's actually more that I didn't put on this on this anniversary record. I, mm. I kind of wanted to do 12 and 12, but there's there's still so much more. Damn, um, that volume might, two. <laughs> maybe, yeah, right, in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I, was, I was obsessed with that idea, I think. And, and we when we were doing this, you know, the record 10 years ago, we kind of all sort of agreed, okay, this is going to be the, the album um, opener, at least. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the reason I like this one is because, um, well, there, there's not really like a genre. I don't know if I would put you guys in. I guess it's like alt country. But if people don't know like who you are, this is a good way to introduce them yeah. to you. Because this would be something that I would show them and be like, oh, this is what this is the kind of music they play. And it's just a well, really well-rounded song. And it shows like how at least how I see songs, it's like the melody and what Mike's writing and like you're all's um, flavoring on it. I'm like, oh, that I can see what they're doing here. It's, it's really cool. Um, and it has like an old 97s kind of vibe-ish. I like it. Yeah, that's that's interesting you say that. Yeah, I love the old 97s. We, mm -hmm. we got to play with them in El Paso once, um, which was a huge, I mean, yeah. awesome honor, you know, because they're just, they're like legends, obviously. Totally. Um, but yeah, I love that comparison. We, I, I think it, when I first started getting into like this genre of music, the old 97s, I didn't even know who they were. I heard that song Doreen by, by mm -hmm. them, by that one. And I was like, I was like, I normally hate this kind of music. I said, but really? this is so good. Yeah, but this is like, the, I'm talking like the first time I ever heard like alt country, you know? Uh -huh. I'm, like, I'm like, this doesn't sound like the country music I'm thinking about, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, and then I started digging in and then I got into, you know, like, you know, it's like, you, it's like the first kind of drug. You know, <laughs> it's a wormhole. Yeah, <laughs> totally. This is a nice comparison. Oh yeah. It sounds, it sounds pretty, very much in that world. And the more, I mean, looking back on the album, I know that you and I follow uh, Rustin Kelly. Oh, and nice. yeah, he's really great. And you guys, that sound, Mike's voice and like the whole 
composition of the it sounds a lot like his stuff it's mm -hmm. it's really uh it's very similar it's interesting because he came so much later than you all right well you know it, it, but if you think about it it makes sense to, i mean he's kind of bringing this you know into the limelight this whole kind of idea of like you know you could have been into emo music when you were in your 20s and then listen to country and this is kind of a nice blend yeah you know i guess we were kind of doing a ver our version of that i mean because mm -hmm. i mean you you remember we were all into you know that scene when we were kids and then mm -hmm. naturally i don't know somehow we all kind of <laughs> morphed <laughs> into morphed into this yeah so. into sappy songwriters yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so, uh but you know it's nice having that edge still in there and i think that was the idea it's like we want to write these kind of meaningful songs but we still like the punk rock aspect of it and we still want to make sure that we can kind of like you know hit people a little yeah. bit so. Yeah, you guys definitely did. Yeah, you definitely made a name for yourselves. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I had on this song. It's pretty much like a staple Lusitania song, I would say. Um, is there anything else that you remember from this song that really resonates with you or something uh, yeah. while recording that, that sparked yeah, something? I think so. I mean, so one of the things was, um, I don't know how much you've done this, but the whole writing in the studio thing mm -hmm. was something I was never really comfortable with before. Normally no. I like going in and just being like, this is what I'm playing and I don't want to screw around, you know, because I'm, I don't want to make yeah. mistakes or do something. But I found myself um, with Gabe Gonzalez, the, um, the engineer, he was like telling me, Hey, you should like write more stuff for the piano or you should do this or you should, um, you know, play around with it a little bit more. And I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. But so there's like a little piano dum 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 kind of like walk down in there that that we wrote on the spot. Um, oh, nice. So it wasn't originally part part of it, and I I forget until I like hear it. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot that we did that like on the spot yeah. sort of, and on the fly. Um, that's the really the only thing that kind of stood out for me is like, oh, I remember that specific. That's awesome. Thing. You yeah. broke through that own block of like that fear. I feel that too. Yeah, like. I would like to go in fully prepared, but sometimes it just has to happen that way. That's awesome. Yeah, you can't control everything. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's like sort of a natural inclina inclination for uh, songwriters, maybe to just maybe a little bit. I, I don't know, maybe for others, but I'm a bit of a control freak, you know, in Same. a lot of respects, and particularly when it comes to that, because I want to like nail it, and then mm -hmm. I've been practicing, and then I think it takes somebody to just be like, hey, why don't you just relax and have some fun? <laughs> You know, Why don't you settle down there? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's so awesome. I love studio stories. I love them. Any even big and small. I just love that. Oh, and they they had me try this, and then it turned into this. It's just so interesting to me. I love that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay, let's listen to another.
song and dance by the Lusitania and I really love this song because out of all the songs it feels like not that Mike isn't inauthentic in in anything there's just something really raw about this song and I feel like he was really connected with himself singing it and the production is just really simple and the chords are really simple and it's a really really pretty song um so how do you feel about it yeah, so this yeah, I this was before my time. I was actually uh, while while you were listening to it, I was texting um I was texting the guys to see like I was like who played on this? I was like, uh-huh. I don't remember anything about this. I mean, this is one I had heard and I was I'd always loved to because you're right. I think there's there's such a nice ebb and flow to it where it's it's kind of not necessarily one note, but there's like a through line kind of got that that riff. Um mm-hmm. that dun, 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 yeah. Just kind of playing throughout it and uh and of course that 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 shuffle. Um but that was actually done so the 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 guitar work was done by our friend Val. Oh yeah. Val. Uh-huh. Val played in the Lusitania for a little while. He played when it was just Mike and Blake Duncan. That's right. And he came in and then he started playing uh, he he did the guitar work and he actually did the drums uh oh. on that well. And then he played bass when it was when I got involved in the band and um, Blake was playing guitar for a little while. We kind of you know shifted around. Mm-hmm. And then he eventually um, decided to do his own thing, and uh, Blake jumped on bass. So anyway, so 
I love that song because you're right. I think there is, uh, I love the lyrics in it. I think it's super vulnerable and, and mm -hmm. earnest and, um, and uh, just really pretty, you know, but it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of still in line though with really how all of the songs kind of end up being. I think, th I think thematically the songs are very, um, are very similar in that way. I think the writing kind of changed. Mike's, Mike's lyrics have always been, I mean, I think they've always been just brilliant and yeah. really, really interesting because, you know, he'll write a song that's a love song, but it's done through, you know, the, the kind of the canopy of like a horror movie, you know? He yeah. Like Scream Queen, which I think is such a cool song, but it's about like, you know, it's, it's a love song, but about like, you know, involving like almost like murder and <laughs> monsters and stuff. That's cool. Um, yeah. But this one, I think is, I think you're right in, in the sense that it's, it's sort of like the first dip, like, you know, dipping your toe into that pond sort of like of, of what it's going to sort of look like, you know, years down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like a nice embodiment of that. And that's why I put that one as the first song on the, on the B-sides. I love it. For that reason, I think. Yeah. I, f I was, I mean, I'm surprised you said that, that it was part of when you were all together. Cause it sounds like just a really, not mellow, just a really polished version of you guys. Cause you're, you know, like you're a little rough as far as like, what you say the punk rock kind of vibe mm -hmm. in it but I, yeah this one's just so pretty and i love it. i listened to it like i think four times <laughs> on yeah, repeat I, I love it too and it was uh, i it was recorded in an apartment in lubbock texas when mike oh, was nice yeah so wow yeah so and it's interesting because like obviously you know if you're listening to bottleneck blues and you're listening to american song and dance he, i mean his voice obviously changed changed a lot you know yeah. and then it got a lot more gruff and a lot more raspy um than than how it started out you know but um that wasn't you know like you said that wasn't an, an affect either that just really like how his voice kind of became from playing show after show after show and bars and like a late nights and drinking mm -hmm. smoking and all that kind of you know stuff yeah and so it naturally kind of evolved into what it was but you know it it all kind of started from that same kind of like you yeah. said like raw spot yeah it's beautiful uh one one part of it part of it that I really resonated with when he says no no glory um in the word or, or the written word there's no glory in the written word yeah it it's reminiscent to me and I know you'll understand this of Dan Leis and Augustana in mm -hmm. the song dust because <laughs> they talk oh, about yeah. religion and I find that really appealing in songs especially when it's country singers for some reason male country singers when they sing about the word or god being something that um they kind of dismiss in a way and i'm not religious but there's something appealing to me when they sing about it like that when they feel like god betrays them in a way it's it's really um i'm just like ooh, what is that about you know <laughs> yeah no, I, I think that's i think that's interesting you know i never even really i never really made that connection to be honest huh. with you but it's uh i think you're right you know and um I think it's particularly interesting when it's being invoked, especially if you're not a religious person yourself, right? So yeah. that, that I mean, and it's ironic that it becomes a part of the song or maybe a part of your narrative, but mm. only when you're in maybe in a lot of pain or maybe, Love if you're, that. you know, uh, I think that's strange that that's, that's when God appears to you, right? Is mm -hmm. you're in this sort of anguished spot and then really not in any other time, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> no, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, is there a song that you want to listen to, Adi, in particular, or talk about? 
Um, let's talk about the Bolts. I think that's a... I think that's yeah. Fair. Can we re-listen to it? Because I've heard it so many times, but I want to hear it again. Well, you know, just give me the vibe. Okay, let's pause and we'll come right back. Your ghost silent Leaving me to my own devices Records they ring through the halls of a house Used to be a home, a home Side of the bed, now it's cold There's rooms in this house that I don't dare to go I'm drinking this other cause sleeping gets old Spirits in the bottle are the only I know The house where we live I'm burning
soon She was fine Who went back home Don't give up the ghost too soon She was fine Who went back home listen to the wolves which is probably your most famous song i would say <laughs> yeah, it's probably the one people know the most yeah. If, yeah if they know one of our songs it's probably that one yeah and that was always your big ender right that was yeah it was usually the one that we would end on yeah i mean um you know if, you, if you're gonna have a closure i guess <laughs> to the record to the, to the set it's, it's usually going to be the wolves yeah yeah, that's a great one. Um, so you talked yeah. a little bit about the strings earlier, but you can definitely hear them in this one. Yeah, exactly. Right as the chorus kicks in, you hear that dum 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 dum. dum. Like that's that's all uh, that's all Blake, you know, arranging all the strings for it. And then we had uh, some of the people from his music department at UTEP come in that's and do so it. That's so cool. Yeah, it was just super fun. Yeah, and do you know if this is? Uh, I mean, does Mike write from personal experience? Is this a personal song for him? You know, I so. I, I don't like to ask all the time, you know, because, I mean, how many times have you gotten asked, like, you know, <laughs> what's the song about, or is that song about, you know, this or that? Isn't it obvious? No. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's obviously, I think the lyrics are kind of, um, you know, some parts are evident, you know, side of the bed, now it's cold, there's a yeah. reason that I don't dare to go. Um, I'm drinking this over because sleeping gets old, so it's clearly <laughs> something's not going great, right? Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think there's also I, the, the part of the song that, I, you know, there's so much, I think this is a really great trick maybe, or maybe a tactic that maybe artists utilize where mm -hmm. you know, it could be the part, a lot of part of that song is sad and dark and, you know, throwing out your records and cutting down the tree that you carved your names in. But then at the end of the song that, you know, it's like, don't give up the ghost, right? Mm -hmm. like, don't give up necessarily hope, right? Um, yeah on it so the you know even though there's all this heaviness there is sort of a um maybe a bit of redemption maybe a mm -hmm. little bit of um optimism near the end there uh or you know could also be a little, little bit of wishful thinking could like, be could so, go either way yeah so i think that's always you know i don't i don't always like asking too many questions really for any any of any songwriter because i like to sort of really? let the nation play with it a little bit um that's true i guess i guess it kind of ruins it sometimes <laughs> yeah, and i don't think it necessarily ruins it i just think like i think it doesn't matter right mm. and i think it because it, it could mean anything almost depending on how you feel mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. if you're feeling particularly hopeless as one song uh can mean something to you and then if you're feeling you know happy or things are going well in your life that same song could have an entirely different connotation i, I mean as, as so long as there's some you know room to sort of play with um, yeah you know uh, leave it I, to the imagination yeah i think leave it to the imagination leave it to the to the reader sort or the listener and just sort of let them kind of dictate how it is mm -hmm. uh, you know that's interesting because i'm i'm kind of the opposite like i want to know exactly 
why he wrote that and what he was feeling and what made him say, you know, this and this and that. And I do that with so many people, but yeah, you make your own narration, but I'm like, I want to know, I want to dig to that deep core of it. But I think that's just like a a whole other part of me. (laughs) What about, what about when you're writing though, because obviously you're a songwriter. I mean, are you going in when, when, when you're writing something with a fully formed narrative of what that song is going to be, or are you kind of making it up as you go? Um, I, not, uh, that's, that does it. That's a good question. Usually it's like an idea of a message, but it's not, but yeah, I think if someone asked me like, well, what is that about? I'd be like, well, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, cause I found that, you know, even if I'm writing, if I'm writing lyrics or if I'm writing, you know, music for that sense, I'll Mm -hmm. come sometimes with a general maybe thought of like you said maybe like a mood that I want to get across or maybe a message but you know usually like I'll be halfway through writing I I like to write like starting at the at the verse through the chorus you know what I mean almost like almost like I'm writing like a story yeah and then the chorus is sort of the through line for it but then I'll notice by the time I get to the end of the song I'm like oh it's not at all what I started writing about (laughs) I got you know sat down Uh that's so funny you say that. Um, I just listened to, um, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Resnick, of course, of the Goo Goo Dolls, and he has a radio show on Sirius. And he was talking about something very similar to what you just said, that he'll start with that. And then by the end of the song, it's never what the song started as. And I, I'm like, that's so fascinating to me to think about, like, because you think of it in this one way. And it's like, it, not even to him, it could be like so versatile or something yeah. completely different at a different day or different time. So yeah, that's cool. Right. Yeah, that, and that's what I think I mean about about this particular song too, where it's like, you know, I think just that, just even that last, you know, thirty seconds of it, "Don't Give Up the Ghost Too Soon." I think that, I think that really means something specific to specific people. Mm. Um, maybe depending on what's happening to them at that particular time, you know. Yeah. I know it, it, it's that's what it means to me when I listen to it. Um, you know, that's awesome. Times that I have listened to it, it's actually changed meaning for me back and forth love that and I love that you're like a a genuine fan of like your guys's stuff like you know some people are in bands because they're like oh I play for this person or whatever but I think that's kind of what helps the chemistry of what you guys had is that you're truly like loving the stuff um and it shows it shows in all of you yeah well you know I mean these you know Mike and Will and your brothers and stuff like I mean those guys were they're a little bit older than me not not much but you know a little bit and um uh you know they had they were in local bands and I I you know when I was in high school I thought they were really cool or whatever and I looked up to them a little bit and then you know getting to work with them and play music with them as long as I have been has been you know um a real pleasure and um like you said i am a fan i mean i think mike writes really great lyrics i think you know charles is an incredible drummer and and mm-hmm. bill is an incredible songwriter and guitarist in his own and yeah you know um and blake is obviously an amazing arranger and bass player and um so it's i think it, i think that's important because you know you need to have that sort of um that appreciation for what the other one does because you know event it's it's all it's all one unit, but I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has their own um, thing that they provide, right? To make it, to make it function. And um, it was always, uh, I think that's one thing that that's why we've been, you know, friends and musicians and 
um, you know, writers together for such a long time is because there's a genuine appreciation of what the other person does uh, and a kind of a respect of what, of what they do. Um, so, mm -hmm. but, you know, and I, I, I think more than anything, we're all just like music fans, just of other people's music. And, mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that if we're doing something, we're, we're really putting our heart and soul into it. And yeah putting out, you know, something that everybody's going to really connect with in some way, whether it's musically or lyrically or, yeah. or whatever, you know. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so just a couple things about, the, I wanted to ask you, do you have like a, a really intense or favorite memory from playing this song like on tour or anywhere? Because I'm sure people reacted to it more so than you would have experienced from El Paso because it's kind of like a universal song, I would say. It's interesting. Um, you know, hometown shows are always great because that's obviously where people know um, mm -hmm. the songs the most, I suppose, you know, get in a play it in, um, you know, we, we had the, we had the, you know, I don't want to like, you know, brag too much or whatever, no, played with or whatever, but you know, I mean, it's cool. Like sometimes, you know, we played shows with like Lucero in Lubbock, mm -hmm. which is kind of almost like a second home to us. Uh, when, when we were touring a lot because Mike went to school there and we had friends that you know played in bands in Lubbock and um, people really knew that like we would play that song in Lubbock and like a bunch of like you know college kids and from Texas Tech knew the songs and uh, when we were playing with Lucero like we had like a huge reaction to that song. That's awesome. Um, you know uh, so I mean I think that was a big memory we got to play with Social Distortion at the House of Blues in LA oh cool um, it was a really fun you know I mean granted it was like that was the closing song that we that we played there and it felt cool to feel that you know the the crowd was very nice and receptive and mm -hmm. uh, I guess maybe those two kind of stand out in, in, in my mind um, that's awesome but it's always fun play. I, honestly it's it's I mean that's great but it's really fun playing it back home like we we played a show uh, last Thanksgiving at uh, at the Monarch, and that was oh, like, nice. That was like a crowded crowded room, and everybody sang it at the end, and that just felt you know awesome. So yeah, that's awesome. Is always my favorite thing to do, you know. That's so cool. Yeah, and you can always guarantee that people will always come to see you guys, no matter like what when you go, when you play or get together. I think you guys really just set something in stone over there that um, not everyone did, you know. That's cool. You should be proud. <laughs> well, it, you know, we are proud of it. You know, like I said, I don't, it, and it's one of these things where no matter what, no matter if anybody cares or doesn't care, it's something that, you know, is important to us, I think, mm -hmm. to me specifically. And it's a way that no matter, you know, no matter the fact that I live in Chicago and Blake lives in Florida and Charles is in Tennessee and, you know, the rest of the guys are still in Texas it's kind of the glue that kind of keeps us together and it's, you know, God willing going to be what sort of continues our, to make sure that we're always in touch. Right. So yeah. even if, it's, if it's for no other reason, it's for us five. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a way for us to kind of always make, make sure that we're creative together, um, that we see each other, that, you know, hopefully we can play shows together and put out more music and whether that's for, you know, lots of people to listen to or just for few people to listen to. I think it's just, a part of who we are I think it's mm -hmm. part of our human condition in a way you know and so much of so much of our identity at this point um yeah. but I think that can be said to anybody that is a musician or plays with people I'm sure you can be said about you and um you know and, and your brothers and, mm -hmm. and everyone so um you know I think it's uh I think it's really valuable and yeah it's something that 
sticks around. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing for sure. You guys are like family for sure. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's a family that's that we use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Well, this was awesome, Adi. Um, a couple of things that I want to end with is that you mentioned that you started keeping all these um like relics of El Paso bands. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Maybe it's something I don't know. Would you have something in the future showcasing that? I would love to. And I, you know, so long as the bands that, um, you know, cool. were involved would want it. I mean, I have it, you know, and I would yeah. be, I would be thrilled to, whether it's through like a compilation or if they want me just to release, you know, I mean, I would be happy to do whatever they want to do. And cause I, I mean, I've got, you know, all the old Yarbrough stuff, famous last word stuff, you know, six under par, mm-hmm. I got all of it. So, um, I think the, you know, that kind of time period that we were all playing was such a, it's interesting because you get to hear all of these different influences all within the same small kind of tight-knit circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just thought, you know what, I just, I just feel like somebody needs to hold on to this stuff. So I somehow was able to manage so to keep crazy. it for 20 years now. And it's, uh, it's all on my, you know, hard drives. and That's pop- incredible. Yeah, I don't think anyone else is doing that. Not that I've can picture. So I think that's really special. When you, when you mentioned that at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's something there. I think you should definitely keep that in your field. I just had like a picture uh, of like a little music museum or something. Yeah. I mean, in my mind. (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, like it's, it's strange that, you know, there, I mean, considering where, you know, where, where we grew up, I mean, there, there, Mm -hmm. there were, there have been some success stories, right? I mean, there was obviously without the drive-in and then, Mm -hmm. You know those offshoots, Mars Bolton, Sparta, but then also like cigarettes after sex is like humongous. Oh now. my gosh, they're so big, yeah. Yeah, so it's like there is something about that particular part of you know the United States and Texas where mm-hmm. there's clearly something in the water or whatever, uh, <laughs> where it had all this kind of creative juices flowing, and I just wanted to make sure that um, that was kind of documented somehow, and I want to do something with it. I just don't know how. Yeah, be best to do it. But I think you're right. I think at some point it should get put out there. But mm-hmm. I'll talk to the musicians and I'll see if they want to do something with it. I'd, That'd I'd be, be awesome. I'd be thrilled to curate it. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Okay, one last question. Do you think because we're not originally from El Paso, but we live there most of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we've all like, never really felt a huge connection to it. But do you think that a lot of people like you and I and everyone musically, do you think we do you think it came easier to us because we felt like a constriction in El Paso did you ever feel that you know I I have a deep uh you know I have a deep connection there I mean Mm -hmm. I've been here in Chicago for you know going on eight years and I still identify myself first as somebody from from El Paso oh nice okay so I have a I have a deep respect and affinity for it and um I think yes. I th- think the short answer to your to your to your question is yes. I think the fact that we it's kind of one of those things, right? It's like if you don't have the opportunities to go and you know see a bunch of bands coming through your town, well, you know what? You're gonna go ahead <laughs> and you know get get um, a bunch of your friends, and you're gonna make your own shows, and you're yeah. gonna you know book your own. It's gonna be a hardcore band, and then it's gonna be an indie band, and then it's gonna be a you know whatever. Totally. And I think it sort of forces you. Um, to kind of get creative and um, 
you know, I mean, the only, the only real resource we had was like records that we would purchase. Right. And then mm -hmm. the occasional show would come through town. Uh, but for the most part, it was, it was up to us with what we were going to be doing on the weekends. And it was yeah. up to us to decide um, how, how interesting and creative the songs will sound. But um, so I think the short answer is kind of a long answer, but no, yeah. that's okay. No, I think, I think the fact that we grew up where we did, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, made things difficult for us in a lot of ways, but it also kind of challenged us to sort of push the envelope a little bit and, and become a little bit more um, creative with, you know, um, making, kind of fostering our own, our own little yeah. musical community. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you have an affinity for it because I feel, I feel a lot of people are very connected to it. So it's nice to see. Um, yeah. yeah, just a lot of good things came out of there. Um, and it's growing. I like to see that it's growing. Cause that was one thing that just made me feel so constricted. There's like, I don't, I don't see it progressing, but it actually really is now. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously everything is, you know, everything is changing. I think, I think the musical landscape in general is obviously much different than it was a decade ago. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, uh, there's a huge, obviously booming electronic music scene happening in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, Texas and, uh, you know, they have Neon Desert Music Festival the last, you know, eight, seven years, something, whatever it may be, that's mm -hmm. been successful. So, I mean, yeah, I think it is progressing. I, I mean, everything is at a standstill now, but, you mm -hmm. know, you look at it and, um, you know, there is, it's, it's definitely um, way different than, you know, us playing, uh, you know, like the Wayside Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Yeah, good times. Yeah, <laughs> the best, but. You know, I mean, it's it's changed a lot, and uh, you see it you see it kind of um, turning into something where where it's not necessarily this kind of tertiary market as it used to be. I mean, people mm -hmm. they they have artists now that go through there on a regular basis because they know that there is a um, a desire for it and then a crowd for it. So I think that's great. You know, I yeah. mean, it makes me really happy that that um it's it's developed into what it what it is now hopefully it just you know kind of keeps going yeah i think it will it's really cool awesome well is there anything else you want to leave us with Dottie? you want to tell everyone when the album comes out no yeah, the album's coming out this friday i mean it's gonna you know we always had this sort of uh you know kind of uh affinity for especially like later on in the band kind of like i said like a little bit of a dark darker edge to it mike is you know mike's into the, like horror and he's got tattoos of like <laughs> horror movies and stuff over his body and we decided it'd be cool to release the album on halloween um oh cool you know just kind of be like I, I thought it was like a nice it, the album came out in the fall when it came out figured fall this time yeah halloween's on you know this weekend you know just listen to it be careful when you're getting candy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sanitize that down <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the album's coming out this, this Friday, and uh, cool. you know, hopefully, when things calm down with the coronavirus, we'll we'll probably get back together, play maybe like a ten-year anniversary show for it, and maybe we'll get some. You know, I'm thinking about maybe doing physical copies of the album at some point, and uh, yeah, search. yeah, you know, just kind of keep keep playing around with it. Um, why but, not? Yeah, why not keep keep the keep the train rolling? Totally, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congrats, and I think it's going to do great. People love people love you guys, and they're always listening to you. And you guys really set something in stone in El Paso that I think people will always know about. So, congratulations! Thanks, and thanks for uh, talking about it. Yeah, thank you for asking. This is awesome. Yeah. So cool. Um, and Audie will be back for another episode where we're going to do Rustin Kelly versus Casey Musgrave. So stay tuned nice. for that. <laughs> yeah.
awesome battle to the death. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening and take care. Say bye, Adi. Bye bye, take care. <laughs> Soon she will find her way.